0: Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley. Today, my co-host, Pastor Lance Hahn, and I will be deciphering the news in what we hope will become a recurring theme here on the Engaging Culture podcast. We are just going to look through a whole bunch of stories in the news, give some comments, talk about why they matter, why they're important, why we should be paying attention to them, and what we can learn from them. All of that on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hi everybody. Thank you for listening. Welcome to another episode of the Engaging Culture Podcast. I'm Brian Kylie. Joined as of 90 seconds ago by Pastor Lance Hahn. Lance, good morning. Hello. Good morning, Pastor Brian Kylie. So normally, we're here about 20 minutes early for an episode. Yeah. This not time today. it was more like twenty seconds. <laughs> but hey, we're here and we're rolling. We're rolling. And yeah. And it's and it's Easter week. How you feeling? This oh, is I this feel is a great. this is a big week in, in our world. Yeah,
1: I think that um I, I think that what uh Pastor Brian Hopper referred to it as the Christian Super Bowl. The
0: Christian Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, so we got a lot coming up and uh, we were just actually going over my message yesterday where uh, I think you judged me rather severely and we're not encouraging. No, that's You're right. True. That's that uh, is actually not true. Is that you guys- how you
0: interpret that? Hey, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do I have to do? <laughs> we got a chance to look through the material. And I, I
1: think that we're very excited about everything coming up this weekend. Yep. Excited about um, all the creative elements that are that are going on. I, I can tell you this, that it's not a normal service. Nope.
0: I was and, just in our worship center this morning, and even it, it's, uh, it does not look normal. Let's put it that way. I know. We have all kinds of stuff planned, and there's everything from just the power of
1: God's love and the yep. Word to creativity and allowing the Holy Spirit to move and prayer and connection and people getting saved. and uh, So it is kind of over-the-top exciting for me. Yep. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yep, me too. It's going to be a great weekend. Uh, if you're listening to this before Easter weekend and you're in town, hope that you'll join us for one of our five services. Now, we're going to do something we have never done on the Engaging Culture podcast before, and that is we are going to cover a whole bunch of topics, some of which we've decided on in advance. Some of which you have decided on without letting me know. Yes. And some of which I have decided on without letting you know. Yes. So there will be a little bit of a reveal. It just, I don't know, I, I guess you could say this a lot of, uh, uh, in a lot of different times, but it just feels like in the last several days, there have been a lot of sort of odd and unusual and interesting news stories uh i mean as you know i mean i I'm, I'm sort of a minor league news junkie so i like i don't read a ton but i read a lot of headlines and i just kind of i, I just, read I a see, ton of headlines yeah you know it's like i see what's going on in the world and it's just there's there's weird stuff i mean <laughs> yeah. the warriors blew a 31 point lead in the playoffs last night I that mean, is that's weird just, you know what well, I- as you and i
1: were talking about there are certain teams that that
0: yeah like <laughs> you can the sacramento kings that. that's expected but i went to bed when that game was 73 to 50 last night i thought oh well warriors easy win and yeah why bother watching it? Oh wait yeah, exactly they lost Crazy. anyway, that's just one one small sign of just all the sort of odd and interesting things going on uh, in the news right now. So let's just start with uh, a few topics that we discussed briefly in advance that uh, that we, we want to go through. And the first is an Instagram account that is relatively new. That is stirring up all sorts of controversy. Which, had you heard of this before I mentioned it to you? Not at all. Okay. And I know nothing other than what you shared with me. Okay. So, this Instagram account is called Preachers in Sneakers. So, (laughs) it's Preachers, letter N, Sneakers. And what it is, is the person behind it has remained anonymous, probably wisely. And what he does is he has taken pictures from prominent pastors' own Instagram accounts and then he creates these posts where half the half the shot is the picture of the pastor and then half the shot is a screenshot of the shoes that the individual is wearing along with how much the shoes cost. And in some cases, these shoes cost more than I knew you could pay for a, a pair, pair of, of sneakers. Yeah, not even just like fancy looking shoes. Like I, I'm just not – like I like shoes, but like they're not something I spend – A lot of money on. So the idea of paying attention to the like aftermarket or secondary market for sneakers, where you pay three thousand bucks for a pair of Nikes, like I, I did not know that existed.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big shoe guy. I think currently, um, I I frequent DSW. There you go. um, Yeah, and uh, I think that. I don't know necessarily how much is pay less, but I'm just, but I'm just pointing it out. <laughs> really
0: high quality. Really, really high quality. Every once yeah. in a
1: while, I would go to you know a, a place that has that has good shoes yeah. and decent shoes. But for me, that that like maxes out around seventy dollars.
0: Yeah, that feels like <laughs> a lot for a pair of shoes in my world as well. So, as you can imagine, uh, this Instagram account which. Uh, Again, the person behind it has remained anonymous. I'm wondering if they've decided to abandon the project already because it's been silent for the last couple of days. But uh, it has raised all sorts of conversations all over the place about extravagance, about, you know, should ministers be spending this much money on these things? Uh, What should we be spending our money on? It's just raised a lot of controversy and a lot of some people criticizing the person who started it, saying, you know, there are people who are going to want to reject Christianity outright just because of the way that you're trashing these guys. Yeah. Uh, and then there are others who are defending them, saying, hey, you know, they make all this money writing books and doing things like that. A lot of them don't even take salaries from their churches. So who are we to judge uh, how they spend their money? And if they right. want to have fancy shoes, let them do it. What's your take on all of this?
1: Yeah, okay. So there, there's a couple pieces to it. One, I think that uh, there is an element of responsibility, and I think that there's an element of stewardship that comes in. I think, but that is between that person and the Lord where it starts to get extreme, right? Where you have um, lavishness and opulence, you start getting into an optics problem, right? Which is you're showing something that feels contradictory to what you're sharing. Uh, So, for example, you're talking about Jesus and some of the struggles he had. And then you're t- trying to talk to the everyman, and yet you have opulence. and it, uh, So it, it creates a bunch of like tensions when you're communicating, of whether or not people can attach you to your message. Yeah. But, but here's my biggest thing on all okay. this, and that is everybody chooses to spend their money differently. Yeah. So, for example, um, I, I drive a Kia. Right. I don't I don't drive a fancy, fancy car. And largely I got it because it had a really long warranty (laughs) and I don't know how to work on cars. So um, and I've had people come up to me and go, oh, you know, meeting you, I'm so glad that you drive a Kia. Yeah. Now, what if there was an element, the reason why I do that is I don't really have a, a real interest in vehicles. Mm-hmm. They kind of just get me from one place to another. Right. Um, I haven't really been into certain things that are showy. Now, that doesn't mean that I have not spent a lot of money on wasteful things. It's right. just they're not in the public eye, right? Yeah. And so, for example, um, a lot of times people put their money in different areas and they're they're they're, ex- they're extreme in, in areas that not everyone can see. So when someone goes v- visual, mm-hmm. right, everybody starts piling on. Well, I yeah. know that you're doing it this, and you're prideful in your area. Yeah. Okay, is there anything wrong with saying I choose to not buy all these 10 things that everyone else is buying? Mm-hmm. I have a lesser car because I really, really like sneakers. Yeah. I feel like there's just something that I grew up with. It was something that me and all my buddies would joke about, and they loved the idea. Hey, do you have Air Jordans? Do you have this? And mm-hmm. so they said, you know what? I'm not going to buy all these other things that people spend money on, but I do want to invest in shoes. Because to me, it's either a collector thing, it's a conversation piece, it's something that was fun. Um, why is that wrong? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. So yeah. for me, I'm always trying to carve out more room for people to live. I yeah. want. I, I would say, listen, don't judge it before you understand all the things behind it. Yeah. Now, have there been historical things and I where people have um, gouged the church and taken from the church and and they're using it all to their own benefit and they're in it for the money? Yeah, yeah. Should they be held accountable? Yeah, but I think the way that this kind of goes about it, I, I'm not a big fan. Not a big Not, fan.
0: The way that what do you mean? The way this goes about it. The
1: the the setup of trying to highlight one piece out by saying, because um, the vibe that I get from the Instagram account, uh-huh. the vibe that I get is a let's poke fun at them. Uh, who do they think they are that they can afford such expensive shoes right. when they're trying to talk about Christianity of Jesus, who wasn't um, maybe, uh, I don't know who wasn't very wealthy, right? right. Jesus right. was, you know, couch surfing yeah. a, a lot of times. So <laughs> yeah. uh, so once again, it's this whole idea of it seemed like they were trying to put them down and saying, you guys aren't legit because look at the money you're spending on your shoes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And I'm inclined to agree with that. Like on the one hand, I I think these levels of excess, I'm certainly not going to defend, but, but a a question that a lot of people have raised is, okay, so you're telling me that the secondary market for these shoes is something extraordinary, like three or four or $5,000. Uh, number one, a lot of these people know a lot of wealthy people. Maybe yes. they were given to them as a gift. You yeah, know, and that like actually that. happens quite yeah. a bit. And it does happen quite a bit. And it is sort of interesting, you know, Lance, use your, your car examples. So I'll share a funny story that I've already told you. It's so funny how you have to sort of manage appearances sometimes. So yes. I was in a situation recently where I was going to switch cars with my in-laws. Yes. And my plan was I was going to switch cars and take their Jeep, which is a perfectly acceptable car for a pastor to drive. Right. Uh, and then, but... At the last minute, it was determined that their Jeep was unavailable, so I was going to take my father-in-law's Mercedes Coupe. Yep. Now, here's the funny thing about the Mercedes Coupe. It's several years old. It has like 70,000 miles on it. Yeah. Honestly, like if you were to sell it right now, it's probably worth less than my 2014 Subaru that I drive. Like, totally. It's, factually speaking, it's not like an extravagantly nice car, but right. it is still a Mercedes Coupe. And I'm having to take this car, and then it was a weekend, so I was going to have to drive to church. And I'm like, I'm just not (laughs) driving to church in a Mercedes Coupe. So I literally drove out of my way to drive to my house, dropped that car off, and then drove my 2009 Corolla (laughs) into the church. Just because of this sense of of you just have to be conscious of, of the appearance and what Kind of what you're projecting, which is a an oddity in itself. Well, I,
1: I, in one sense, I think it's okay to be held accountable, and it's okay yes. to for people to say, "Wow, I'm really, really struggling here." Um, the church, you know, are you showing off your wealth while right. I'm struggling? Right. That that that's a fair question. Sure. Or is the church paying you too much or whatever? Uh, because I know all the backside of all that. I understand the finances of a church and all that stuff. Obviously, I don't wrestle with any of that because yeah. I'm like, listen, I get it. I understand how it all works. But the fact that you had to switch cars, <laughs> I, I kind of, I smirked at you yes, when you told the story because I was going, come on, Brian. you can, <laughs> Please don't go out of your way just to do that. But, I, I mean, I've had times where... Um, I used to buy. This is back when these jeans were in style. So okay, please right. don't judge me. Lance everybody. is about to date himself right now. I'm about Go to ahead. date myself. So um, I used to buy my uh, jeans almost exclusively from a place called Buckle. Okay. And um, it's in the mall, uh-huh. and it's a higher. It's not super high priced, but it's a higher priced place. Yeah. Um, now here's what's interesting about it. The reason I bought my jeans there mm-hmm. is because I'm six three. And they were the only ones that had the long size for me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that I had to have buckled jeans. It's that I could not buy them at all the other locations because the style at the time was that they needed to be a little longer Uh and I couldn't find any. Mm -hmm. Well, I even had somebody at church go, oh, and he's wearing, you know, how much does his jeans cost? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so even I was being challenged for, you know, having that. Yet at the same time, I've also had people... Um, give me money for shoes because when I lifted up my shoes, there was a hole in the bottom of it. Um, so once again, yeah. you have either people going, wow, why are you not putting any money into clothing? Right. And then you say other people are going, you're putting too much money into clothing. Yep. It's that constant... I have a judgment about everything a pastor does, yep.
0: because they're supposed to be an embodiment of Christianity. Does it represent rightly? Yeah. And on the one hand, we know that on some level that's what we sign up for, but sure. it can certainly get out of hand. And, and I think one one important element of it for for all of us, not just pastors, is is here's where I I have a little bit of a challenge with with something like this, where this sort of shaming of of opulence is going on. As much as I I. I'm challenged by the opulence in and of itself. Like right. As I've said, I'm not a huge fan of the idea that we're walking around in you know, shoes that cost all this money, but I think the challenge can be for those of us who don't have shoes like that, mm-hmm. uh, or that don't have a car like that, or don't have a house like that, that we might then look at those sorts of people and say, oh, well, they've got all this money and look at what they're spending it on, and we would use that sort of subtly in our own hearts to avoid any sort of call to generosity ourselves. Right? Yes. That we, that I might say, Oh, well, because these pastors in this place are living this opulent lifestyle, I don't need to look into my own heart and ask the question, okay, God, as I, someone who maybe doesn't have as much money as them, but still has more money than most people in the world, just being a American, how do God, how do you want me to use the resources at my disposal to bless other people? And I think that when we give too much attention to people who we think have more than us, it keeps us from being generous, which is a bummer. Okay, so let's let's put it back into perspective.
1: Let's think percentage-wise. Uh-huh. right? They're spending a certain percentage of their income on shoes. Yeah. What percentage of your income are you spending on shoes? Because I'm going to guarantee you it's probably <laughs> smaller percentage for those $2,000 shoes yeah. because of what money they have. Yeah. Now you go, yeah, but now it's getting into opulence. Yeah. I'm going to take you down to the brickyards of mm. Mexico, yeah. And I'm going to take you now back into your own home. And you tell me if that's not opulence. Yeah.
0: There's op- We've all got opulence. Everyone
1: has opulence. It's yeah. just a matter of what level. Yep. And if it's percentage-wise, you spent this amount on your car, oh my goodness, you could have fed yep. so-and-so. Well, I only drive a Subaru. Well, I only drive a Honda. Well, yep. I only drive... Yeah. But do you understand the significant amount of money that you have placed into that, especially in percentage to what you make? Yeah. Let's talk about people's houses. How much are we spending on our homes when in fact that could be, you You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's Everything is relative. Yep. And that's why I feel a little bit weird when someone starts poking at the next level up. Mm-hmm. Now, the question of how much should I pastor make? Well, I don't know. It all depends. Yeah. Because are you talking about them as a CEO of an organization, which ultimately they are? Um, are you talking about them as a minister of the people are you talking about you know what i'm saying yeah um how much is appropriate yeah i don't know see because i deal with uh, all the inside scoop of what do churches make and how do staffs work and who makes what and all this i have to deal with that all the time and you realize you know what nobody there are some places that really want to be opulent i i have a harder time with somebody lording it and being flashy than i do them having it
0: yeah I actually
1: think it's it's fine for them to have it. I'm a little concerned about the idea of, are they doing it for show? That is a problem for me.
0: Yep, And ultimately, I think the the world and the kingdom are better served if all of us are more concerned with how am I managing the resources that I have versus judging other people for how they're managing the resources that they have. Totally.
1: Right? Let, me, let me make a side note to yep. all of you that are uh, a part of this, um, watching this or going to be listening to this podcast. One of the reasons why we felt um, like we wanted to do this today about going through the news is that we're trying to train in a mindset that when you read news articles, there's so much deeper material going on than simply the sensational headlines. Yep. How do we look at the news Through a Christian lens, like everything that's said has an implication in Christianity. It has a, how would Jesus look at it? What's going on? You're just asking deeper questions and then you're shining a spotlight on yourself more than you're judging the person in the story. And so anyway, we felt like it was at least a faith and culture concept Mm -hmm. that we went, I think this is worth it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. All right. Well, we spent 18 minutes on the first story, and we've got a nine to idea. cover. And we're going to end this in an hour ish. So we better better get moving. So uh, and I only story. brought two to the table. Oh well, there we I go. Gave, uh, right. I give okay. I give you my minutes. Look at that. We're down to eight. we're down to eight. We're making progress here. There you go. So uh, second story into the sports world. Uh, a significant event happened this last weekend. I missed all of it. I have some of it on my DVR, and I still intend to go back and watch the end. And that is that Tiger Woods. Who? Eldrick Woods. Oh. A.K.A. Tiger. Won the Masters. An amazing comeback victory. I missed it. I had it had the results spoiled for me and then didn't end up watching the end. And found out later from somebody who watches a lot of sports said it was some of the best golf they'd ever watched in their life. And I was very bummed that I missed it. But Tiger Woods, aside from being an athlete, is a almost unprecedented cultural phenomenon, yes. obviously has been through a lot in terms of lots of negativity. And he's, he's done a lot of not great stuff, not to mention he's dealt with extraordinary injuries. And now he's on top of the world again is a big story. Okay, so let's help
1: our listeners. Um, I don't know how many of them are golf fanatics and understand <laughs> the game of golf. But um, what he did that was so Special was that at a, as a very young man, he was he was both gifted, naturally gifted, and then he was almost robot like in his discipline yep. and he became the best golfer in the world, yep. which um, it was a couple significant pieces about that one was how young he was yep. Two, he set a whole new genre for being super in shape and built. That was not how golf used to be. He brought in endorsements in a very different way than other people had. And then fourth, it was predominantly a white sport, Mm -hmm. Caucasian. He is not white. He's African-American. And he skyrocketed to the very top where there was not a lot of black players. So. He crossed thresholds all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, and as a matter of fact, for if you're not into golf, not all golf games are equal. So throughout the year, and kind of they have a little um, a, a tour calendar of different games that are more important. The most important games of the year are called majors. Right. So what I'm about to tell you means that you won the most important games of the year. Now, how many majors are there per year? Uh, Do you know? Hang on.
0: While we're describing telling people about golf, yes, tournaments, not games. Really? <laughs> yes, really. Is that what? Is they're that what, called golf tournaments. They are and they're golf called tournaments. majors. They're not called, nobody calls them golf Nobody games. calls them golf Anyway, games. there are four majors. One of them's called the Masters. It's a big deal. Played at the same course every year. You In get a, Augusta, Augusta, Georgia. You get a fancy jacket if you win.
1: It, it, you get an ugly jacket if you win. But you also get a lot of money. Okay, well, you can get a lot of money, <laughs> but the jacket is green <laughs> and it's gnarly. Okay, so here's the deal um, Tiger Woods won his 15th major. Yep. It's a tournament. Yeah. Anyway, not, just not, thought I'd mention not a game. that. Uh, 15th major, which is a huge deal because the other story that was going on underneath all this was that it was 11 years after his last one yep. that he won. And not only in all that chaos and everything that hit four back surgeries, yep. everyone said, not only will he maybe not come back or ever be a good player, yep. but he will never, and they were very clear on this, he will never win another major. Yep. So when he won the major, which is a tournament, not won the major uh, in Augusta, Georgia, then it was a huge deal, right? Okay, the other yeah. side note stat was that it was 22 years from his first career win to his yep. most recent win. Yep. And then, of course, he had a career before that. So he's had a very, very long career, and he's not a very old man. So, But once again, he was in such extraordinary pain. I was listening to one of his buddies interviewed the other day, and he was saying that when he went to go pick him up during the time he was having back surgeries, Mm -hmm. he had to carry him uh, to help him walk just to go pick up his kids from school. Yeah. So when you start talking about someone that cannot move, and then you go, they won at the highest level of a sport that is physical and demanding. Now, it's not football. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you've ever gone on on a course yeah. and did that whole thing where you're walking for three and a half four hours,
0: well, in a professional really a professional golf swing, say what you want about golf not being a contact sport, a professional golf swing, especially a Tiger Woods professional golf swing, is a very violent motion in terms of what it does to your to body. The body, torque, and everything else. So yes, uh, it really I mean I, you know I, I've I don't know what this says about me. This is a lifelong sports fan. I've never been the guy who like roots for the perennial winners. So again, I don't know what that says about me. So I, I sort of would always go back and forth on whether or not I'd root for Tiger. But what is undeniable is that he is a transcendent, Athlete and a transcendent personality for the or an ambassador for the game. I mean, even I I would watch the highlights of the Masters just like Friday night. I was watching Sports Center before bed, and it's you know three minutes of highlights. Two and a half minutes is all about Tiger. I mean, just he is he changed the sport. He changed the sport. And fun fact, I was present for his last major win. It was in. At Torrey Pines uh, Golf Course in San Diego, where I lived at the time, and I was there on Sunday. Wow. And then it ended up being a playoff on Monday. I got to go back on Monday. I have the t shirt, and I always think about that shirt every time, you know, another year of majors passes, because back then, Tiger was so dominant that if you had said to somebody in 2008, hey, he's going to. He'll win today, but he's not going to win another major for the next decade. I mean, it's hard to, it was to compare like, how ridiculous such a statement would be. So for him to have yeah. gone through what he went through. I mean, now, now we're obviously not depend- defending tons of mess in Tiger's
1: private life. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, so, so if you've not been following over the last decade and what really <laughs> happened, uh, he uh, everything that was going on in his private life and everything that was yucky within him, went public yeah everything came out yep. well i don't know if everything well, came out a lot came out a lot came enough. out enough <laughs> to completely destroy his reputation yep and enough to completely right now rightfully so yep he was not a nice guy no just pointing that out no. and so no we are not encouraging his
0: character as a role model yes but it's an extraordinary uh, athletic accomplishment yes uh, all right next thing now this just broke yesterday this was a really uh just a bummer of a story uh all over the news, uh, the Notre Dame in Paris, huge fire, huge parts of it were destroyed. People all over the world of all different faith backgrounds or no faith faith background at all from all different walks of life, just horrified by what's gone on as this, this church cathedral, which has stood since, I want to say the 13th century, maybe, or 12th. I have stats for oh, you. All
1: right. You ready? Here we them. go. In case you do not know these about the church. Okay. So the Notre Dame Cathedral is in Paris. It's a Gothic style church, 850 years old. It was started to be built in 1160, finished in 1260. Wow. It took a hundred years God. to build this church. Yeah, And obviously with Easter coming up, the, the, the fact that yeah. they had a, a big fire, and when I talk about a big fire, here we go. It was likely caused, they believe today, this is mm-hmm. the most recent report. Okay, I they they likely believe that it was caused by renovation work, mm-hmm. that one of them started it. I can assume that that guy is no longer working. He's not
0: feeling great. In the,
1: in the renovation business. Okay, it was so serious of a fire, it took 400 firefighters 12 hours to put it out. There are no major injuries. What burned? The spire, and that's what you always see on the news where it's collapsing. The spire burned down, and two-thirds of the roof burned. Now, none of the main structure nor the two bell towers were burned. And when the roof burned, they had already removed the religious statues on top for renovation. Oh, wow. So they had Hmm. been pulled off, which was kind of cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Other things that you may not know is that they claim to have the
0: crown of thorns. Right. Did you know that? Uh, I knew, you know, uh, uh, Lucian, our audio engineer and I were talking about this beforehand that I thought between the Notre Dame and St. Chappelle's cathedral, which is right nearby that they claim to have the crown of thorns and then one of the beams of the Cross. Cross, I thought they were both kept in Saint Chappelle's. Maybe apparently not.
1: No, apparently. Well, I I rarely trust the information yeah. from Lucian Hughes, <laughs> uh, just the audio engineer. If it's
0: San Jose Sharks info, it's probably it's solid, always solid, correct. But, you know.
1: Yes. Which, by the way, yeah. Joe Thornton. We don't need to give an update on that. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So moving on. Um, the Crown of Thorns is there. Uh, that was not bothered. Okay. Which I don't yes. know if it's can really we do the Crown air, of Thorns. air quotes around Crown, Crown of Thorns? Thorns. <laughs> yeah,
0: probably not the real one.
1: Are you talking about the band? Are you talking about talking what was about really on Jesus? The item
0: in oh. the cathedral, likely not what was on Christ at his crucifixion.
1: Okay, because I think the band's a real thing. Okay, oh, cool. sure. All yeah. right, moving
0: on. So
1: there is an 8,000 pipe pipe organ from the 18th century wow. in that place. It is fine. Really? In case wow. you're concerned about the pipe organ. And then here we go. Last final stats uh, Emperor Napoleon had his coronation there. Wow. How weird is that? It existed through the French Revolution, through Nazi occupation, it is one of the most oldest, most important Catholic sites. Yeah. It means everything to Paris. And Quasimodo.
0: Quasimodo.
1: Hung out there. I don't yeah. think that's a real thing, but that's okay. Finally, uh, two men have stepped up to help in the rebuilding effort. One is named Pinot, the other one is named Arno. Mm-hmm. And one pledged 113 million, the other pledged 226 million. So you if gotta you think would, th- that'll cover it. <laughs> if you would like to join them by sending your five dollars right now to the rebuild the Notre Dame, yeah. you can do that. Yeah, there you uh, go. Those are all
0: your. Stats. Have you ever been to the Notre Dame? Never have. Never been to Paris. Never I've been, been to, to France. Paris. Never been to Paris. Huh? Yeah, it's. Um, I I had the chance to go to Paris in two thousand five and got to travel around Europe a fair amount. And of all the cities I went to Paris was by far my favorite I thought oh, it wow. was absolutely extraordinary and I have a very clear memory even though it was now 14 years ago of standing in sort of the area outside the Notre Dame and then walking in and uh, had, I'd been to a few different cathedrals in Europe at the time and it uh, it you walk in there and it is it, it it defies description it is extraordinary it's I mean and I feel this way about a few of the different cathedrals I, I saw over there but you really, you sent, I mean, th- th- these cathedrals, right, were meant to be built to sort of capture the glory of God, right? And, of yes. course, they fail to do that, but they do give you a sense of just really profound awe and reverence. Uh, and, it, and you could just feel sort of the sacredness of the space, even as you're in there with, you know, a million other tourists. So, but it's what's interesting to me is just how sort of visceral everyone's reaction, even in sort of secular Europe, is... To the destruction of this famous religious site. I mean, what do you what do you attribute that to?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I've had a chance to go to St. Peter's Basilica yeah. in the Vatican. Um, I've had a chance to see the Leaning Tower of Pisa and the yeah. entire building that's attached to it. Um, and I think that. So first of all, I I don't believe that we, even on the outside of France, mm-hmm. can know the significant weight that this building carries for that nation. Yeah. Um. However. As you were talking about, there's a worldwide reaction because I think there's a couple pieces going on. Only one, and I would believe a less version, is really the religious piece. I, mm-hmm. I don't know to what degree people were mourning a, a church burn down. Mm-hmm. I, I think that what they were mourning was history was disrupted. Yeah, the idea that you would have something that was an architectural wonder, something mm-hmm. that the nation was very proud of, something that carried so much history in it. That had been damaged. Yeah. Um, You know, I I remember uh, when ISIS was doing some movements uh, over in the Middle East and they were rocketing Mm -hmm. some of uh, things like Petra and, you know, all these famous things and they were blowing them up. And I remember this this sick feeling in my gut of going, you just ruined either hundreds or thousands of years. Of history yep. with a rocket, and so the idea of something being destroyed that's
0: that old something makes you sad. Yeah, it's just like it's not right. That shouldn't happen. This thing that if it lasted this long, stood for so long. Yes. Exactly, can be so quickly. Destroyed. So yes. it'll, be, it'll
1: be very interesting to see. Now I feel well, I feel less yeah. about this one because because of the limit of the damage mm-hmm. and the fact of knowing that they can restore things even more beautiful and they were already doing renovations <laughs> that helps it a little faster. Yeah. I am a little worried about the smoke damage stuff. Right, that freaks me out.
0: Yeah, I was really happy to hear that. Sort of the western facade where the uh, the, the bell towers are that because that, that to me yes. I, now different people have different parts of of like with a lot of famous things you have different parts you really identify with. Oh, I think of. You know the Grand Canyon. I think of this spot, or I think of oh this aspect of the Statue right. of Liberty, or whatever. I think a lot of people, certainly myself included, think of those two towers on the West End yes. as like that's the Notre Dame. Uh, so and to hear, the, yeah, to hear that those will be okay was all right. But it's uh, it was interesting just how really for France obviously profound, but then even just for the for the what I mean I was in multiple conversations about it yesterday. Just in people were just bringing it up all over the place about man what a what a bummer. So it's it's great to see that that money is going to be put to the to rebuild, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, in terms of just how, how do you restore an 800-year-old building and to what extent are they able to even to maintain that sense of kind of the historical nature of it right. with it still being new. So yeah. anyway. Alright, well I'm I am interested to hear, uh Lance, what stories you've uh, you've brought to the table here from the news for us to for us to talk about. So yes. let's start with, with what you got. Okay.
1: Here. So I well once again I only have two, two. stories. Should we right. start with one of yours no, since no, you have no. three? Let's, let's, okay, I think
0: we should start with yours.
1: Um here we go. Here's mine. The WikiLeaks co-founder, Julien Julian Assange, Assange. Uh, which we're still going with the whole French thing. Yeah, apparently. I don't know. I don't, he's I don't, not French. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but it, it sounds it, like it. it anyway. Uh, forty-seven years old. Did you yep. know that? When he got taken out of there, he looked like he was just about sixty-five. <laughs>
0: which I think I was telling my wife this. I think of him as being young. I forget that he's not like forty-seven. Like I think of him being this like twenty-nine-year-old like hacker guy. I'm saying that forty-seven is not as young as I thought he was. Okay. I mean, you don't look a day past you know forty-six. Thank so. you.
1: I am forty-six. <laughs> so thank you very much okay anyway moving on after you already insulted me about golf being not a game (laughs) which by the way i have played the game of golf it is a anyway okay moving moving on on. here we go okay so julian assange the wikileaks co-founder and if you are not aware of this story wikileaks is a site if you think about wikipedia what it means is is that it is um a lot of different people can share information to the site. It is a kind of a a built by community type site where this is different is it's classified or protected or confidential or secret or not supposed to be made public Mm -hmm. documents that people leak onto the site. Now um, it was probably most um, brought to the news when Julian Assange and WikiLeaks was tied into the leaks of the emails yep. that was with Hillary Clinton during the last election mm-hmm. um, that really had a big effect on what was going on. Um, it was also where he was tied to um, a young intelligence officer of the army, an intelligence analyst, who later went through transgender and go, went by the name of Chelsea Manning. Yep. Um, but that officer, uh, they worked together to be one of the largest um, intelligence leaks of all time of the U.S., right? So, a bunch of stuff went out. And the more they know about that is that he actually worked with Manning, and they cracked codes, and they pulled stuff out. It wasn't that they had it all and leaked it. They even went and got more and and then leaked it. So, anyway... The big story is that he was kicked out of the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Mm -hmm. Now, once again, if you're not familiar with what an embassy is, an embassy in any city is actually considered territory of another nation. So Mm -hmm. if you go into a United States embassy in another country, it is U.S. soil. So all the rules apply in there. So he went in... And in order to avoid extradition, so he was charged in 2010. He was already ticking people off. Yep. He was charged in 2010 on rape and molestation charges with two women that said that they had interactions with him. It started as consensual, did not end up as consensual. He was going to be extradited to Sweden. Uh, in uh, so in 2010 he had the uh, the accusation. It went to court. He was going to get extradited. He panicked ran into the Ecuadorian embassy that has a no extradition treaty, mm-hmm. and they said, we are not going to send you away. He's now on Ecuadorian right. uh, soil, but he's actually lived there um ever since. <laughs> For seven years, he's been in the embassy. Okay, that's just what weird. A life. <laughs> what a life. So that's super, super weird. Yep. Well, then... Um, in 2017, president of Ecuador, a new guy came into power named Moreno, mm-hmm. and he came into power, and everybody, they were like, yeah, we back him up, we back him up, we want free speech, we don't want anything to happen to this, it's going to ruin it, he has the right to do all this. And then, he posted stuff about the Ecuadorian president.
0: <laughs> Which, <laughs> like, I don't want to tell him how to live his life, but that just doesn't feel like a smart It was a really poor decision. biting the hand that
1: feeds you. Holy Uh, cow. So people don't know what to do with this guy. Is he really a free speech guy or is he just like a renegade? Yeah. Which, by the way, all the charges against him and everything, no one's quite sure whether or not that is a, hey, we're mad at you, so we're going to make up charges. Right. Or whether or not he's just a bad dude that's running around. But the bottom line is... He's been living in an embassy for seven years, and then he ends up posting personal confidential information, even pictures of their children uh, of Ecuador, which is a total no-no in a lot of areas, bites the hand that feeds him, so they let British officers (laughs) in onto their soil. And they took him out. And so yeah. now, is he going to go to Sweden? Is he going to be sent to the United States in yeah. order to face charges? Because,
0: yeah, and he's facing charges of leaking classified information in the United States, right? I mean, yes. he's like beyond the, the oh, these charges deal. you mentioned. I mean, he's he's in real big trouble Yes, in these places. So,
1: my, passing back to you, yeah. you know about the story a little bit. A little bit. Um, talk to me about your idea of free speech based on what he does, what WikiLeaks, ex, you know, yeah. what his
0: existence says. Yeah. What, well, what are your I mean, thoughts? First of all, I think public opinion of WikiLeaks is a very funny and fickle thing to me because people either love or hate WikiLeaks depending on... What they're leaking, right? right? It's uh, all the Republicans love WikiLeaks when he's leaking Hillary Clinton emails, but then if he's gonna, you know, leak stuff that's that's compromising to Republicans, now it's like, oh well, he's a bad guy. We better stop him, and, and yes. you know, and vice versa with with liberals, right? It's, it's like, oh, we look at him violating the privacy of uh, you know whoever while he's leaking emails, but hey, let's go get the republic. I mean, it's all just silly. Like we can't just have a, a principled approach to what do we think of th- think of this guy. But even that said, I wrestle with this. Like on the one hand. Uh, There is probably, quote-unquote, confidential stuff in the world that is protecting a lot of bad guys, to speak very generically and vaguely. And there is value in those things being brought to light. However, uh, I recognize that there are things that the public does not need to know, and that the public, having access to certain bits of information... Only creates more danger for people. Yes. And and the ability now I, I and here and here's the, even the challenge with that is who do we trust to make that decision? Right. Right. I mean, do I trust the Trump administration to decide what we need to see from the Mueller report? Heck no, I don't. Right, right? Do I trust? I mean, and I mean, do, do I, do I trust? And, you know, flip the script on that and say it's an investigation to a Democratic president. I'd say the exact same thing. Right? right. Like, like no, they're they, they are not able to objectively make that right. decision. Right. But who's to say I am or you are or anybody is. So I don't know. Yep. I, I, I guess this is my big, long winded way of saying I don't know. I don't know what to think of it. What, what do we, what are you think? Yeah. Thinking? So, OK,
1: so once again, let's bring in a Christian lens to this. Yeah. Um, I, I really wrestle with the idea of free speech. Yeah. Um, and Oh, that's anti-American. Hold on. I'm yeah. a Christian yeah. before I'm an American. Um, so I'll tell you this. I believe in right and wrong. Mm-hmm. I believe that um, there are certain things that are right and wrong. And the idea of going, well, you have free speech in order to do. I think free speech is a great concept. Yeah. I think it has limitations. Yes. I think there are some things that are hurtful, mm-hmm. damaging Terrible, mean. I think that that are not okay. Just because you're free to do it doesn't mean you should be allowed to do it. Right. Um, And so I wrestle with that whole idea. When um, the other thing is that when information is released, it takes people back in time, even if things have changed. So, for example, let's say you now have, uh, let's say you had a difficult relationship with your dad. And then you now have a great relationship with your dad because you guys have mended a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And then your mom goes back and releases information of what he said about you 10 years ago. It's now in the present for you. You just learned it. But we've already worked through that process. And, yes, he may have said stuff behind closed doors, which I'm devastating your family here. Sorry about that. (laughs) Total hypothetical, We're we're good. Everyone, I think, you know, mom, dad, I think we're getting along fine. We're all good. Anyway. (laughs) But but you understand what I'm saying is that when you leak information, it takes it into the present. Yeah. So and then it says, well, no, 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 we already worked through that. No, now we got to go work through it again. But now there's a whole level of suspicion. You go, no, that was a long time ago. I think that it is when information is released yeah. actually matters yeah. because not just the content of it, mm-hmm. but the timing of it. Yeah. And so, I, I the other thing is that stealing documents and all that. No, no, I'm not going. I'm not going to say that all information should be made available. I don't believe mm-hmm. that that is appropriate. Yeah. I think that if you're going to expose uh, people that are undercover, mm-hmm. y- you d- that's not a free speech thing. You don't right. just get to say oh, that guy's undercover,
0: and then yeah. he gets harmed. Yeah, see, and that's and that's where uh, the challenge comes in, because that's, that's sort of the point I was making earlier, is that, yes, I completely agree with you on that, but you look at all of the important, uh, so many important things that have been discovered uh, that were meant to be kept secret, and then were ve- revealed, and then bad guys brought were brought down. Watergate. Like, exactly. That was the example I was going to use. I mean, uh, The Post. Did you see The Post? Yes. Great movie. Uh, just even talking about this idea of discovering things that were meant to be kept under wraps, and- I think most would agree with historical hindsight that there was public benefit to that being revealed. But
1: once again, that goes under a Christian guideline or Judeo-Christian view that there is right and wrong. That was good because something bad and corrupt was exposed. Sometimes good things are... Are turned bad yep. because of the exposing yeah. of it. To
0: speak generically, I mean, say, yeah, blowing the cover of someone who's undercover, for example. Right. That's, so, and, and and I guess that's that's where the challenge comes in, is because it's not always clear. No, you know. So, and that's, someone's that's making just, a it's moral judgment yeah.
1: on what is happening, and yeah. so as much as you would say, well, I think that that not everything should be able to be kept hidden if it's corruption. I agree. Yeah, yeah it's hard. But to, once again, to make I'm just call. saying it's complicated. Yep. And there we go. That was my story.
0: There you okay, go. What do you got? All right. All right. Here's what I've got. ABC News. Staggering number of measles cases in the United States, just part of a 300% global uptick so i'm just going to read this the measles outbreak that continues to spread across the united states is just one of many that are going on around the world this year the world health organization reports that preliminary global data shows that reported cases of measles which we were supposed to be done with measles just to catch everyone up to that are up by 300 percent in the first three months of 2019 as compared to the same time frame in 2018 uh, countries with ongoing outbreaks include many of them uh The organization wrote in a news release, many countries are in the midst of sizable measles outbreaks with all regions of the world experiencing sustained rises uh, in cases, mostly among young children, and they're experiencing spikes of the disease all over the world, spreading among clusters of unvaccinated individuals all over the place. What the heck? Um, Okay, (laughs) so if we're done with it, how did we get it back? Uh, I think there were isolated cases, and then there are people that are not getting vaccines, and then it's spreading.
1: Right, but yet it's the same thing, if it's going all over the world, it's not just an American problem. Because right. everyone keeps is arguing s- this whole vaccine, non-vaccine thing here in America. Yeah. It's all over the world. It's right. not just an American problem. Right, right.
0: Yeah, and I don't really have a whole lot to say about it other than, other than to say uh, this is the, um, I am all for debating issues where there is, there are, multiple reasonable perspectives. Uh, mm-hmm. I will attract the ire of people for saying this, but it is what it is. Uh, vaccinations work. They just do. And the reason sure. why this is happening is because uh, people are in denial about vaccines working, so they're not vaccinating. And now what we're seeing is a real serious public health issue. And uh-huh. and I mean, and recognize like measles isn't the chicken pox where you're sick for a few weeks and then you're over it. I mean, right. measles, We tried to read up on this because it's legit. I have not known. Like measles will affect you for the rest of your life. So uh, it's just, it is, it is unfortunate to me that uh, sort of an inability to accept what is settled science, and again, actual scientists say this is settled science, is, ha- is starting to create a significant public health problem, and I fear it is only going to increase.
1: Okay, so here's, here's an interesting side note for our listeners, that um, you and I have varying opinions on a variety of topics. We do. This is one we're polar opposite on. Really? Yep. You're
0: a anti-vax guy.
1: I am. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. Um, I am not. And so, okay. So once again, the argument is never that vaccinations don't work. Mm-hmm. The question is, is the amount of them, how close they're put together, at what age they're given, and the damage that is being done. While they're being given. Yeah. So there's no question that they work. The measles vaccination works. Nobody's saying it doesn't work. The question is, is what is the consequence of doing the vaccination? And is the consequence worth what it was? Or is there another way to do it so that it's spread out? without having the constant damage to the child immediately where you can do so for example anyone that i've dealt with in the world of vaccinations no one ever says nobody should get a vaccine for measles or rubella or things like that right. those are actually always where you'd go of sure. course you would get that yes the question is is how close they are together the impact on the infant because we keep adding to them. We are not doing the same vaccinations that we did 50 years ago. Right. Uh, We're doing some of them. We just added a whole bunch Mm -hmm. and we changed the regimen. Yeah. So, the regimen is actually the concern, mm-hmm. not so much the vaccine. So, yeah. anyway, there and, you go. And,
0: and I think there is, there is, and I, that's a little bit above my pay grade in terms of the science of it, because there are different new, vac- new vaccinations that take place. But things like the MMR vaccine, yeah. like that is not like. That's not new. Like nobody nobody disputes that it works, it's it effective, works. and it helps. And yes. because there are all these questions about vaccines in general, people yeah. aren't getting. These basic vaccinations, and it is, yes. cr- and, it, and again, there are significant uh, public health uh, consequences. There are of that, and yes. and I guess I just don't understand. I don't know. There are a variety of issues where I just I don't understand the hesitance to believe, sort of settled science but whatever well, yeah what the goes. argument is so, it's not settled yeah well and, <laughs> right yes so um water is wet the earth is round vaccines work so, <laughs> that, that's my yes. perspective on it uh, hey you're all right, allowed to have let's that go to, let's go to your uh, your next one okay what do you got?
1: Uh, my next one is bizarre okay um because that's me um that there a gentleman twenty one years old named Holden Matthews was arrested based on burning down three churches in Louisiana. Do you know anything okay. about this? I feel
0: like I heard about it, but I don't know a whole okay.
1: lot. Okay. So um St. Mary Baptist Church. Greater Union Baptist Church and Mount Pleasant Baptist Church were all burned down with gasoline and lighters and all that stuff from this young man who it has now been transformed from merely arson to a hate crime. Hmm. So they were all black churches. And he was very much into the white movement. Now, here's where things get bizarre is that he has now recently been tied to the black metal movement of Scandinavia. Now, okay. what is that? <laughs> well, here's this is super, super funny. Okay, the sheer randomness of this story coming out in today's news, which you and I apparently have different news feeds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I've at this. I've seen this guy's picture now that yeah. I look it up, but I haven't yeah. read the story.
1: Um, so the irony is that I was just listening to a podcast about this exact same black metal story oh, because boy. a brand new. Um, documentary, not documentary, more of a movie. Documentaries are actually supposed to be more factual, right. but there's a movie that just came out, okay. uh, coming out called Lords of Chaos. Okay, and it is about the early '80s black metal, deaths, death metal scene, which is a music style for those of you that are not familiar. That was in the '80s, and it carried on through the '90s. Okay. Now, the reason why this matters is because so there was a band in England called Venom. And in 1982, they released their second album called Black Metal. That caught on over in Norway, um, over in, uh, uh, I'm trying to think, all the different places, um, Denmark and Sweden. Okay? So, the Scandinavian countries. Okay. It caught on over there, and they took it to a whole nother level. And what black metal is, is what you would refer to as satanic heavy metal. Okay. Okay. So it's it's the pentagrams, it's the upside down crosses, it's the hail satan, it's the it's supposed to be the most extreme dark version of music that's out there. Now, the how he got tied into this is that so way back in the 90s, a band from Sweden called Bathory, um it, they started a movement Denmark caught on with a band called Merciful Fate, and then Norway came out with a band called Mayhem. Now, okay. now they all tried to take on like extreme names,
0: okay. demonic <laughs>
1: names, all this I, stuff. No, I noticed that. Yes. Euronymous so <laughs> is one of them. He's the, the, the guitarist that started the band Mayhem. He then brought on a singer named Dead, which that's a beautiful name. Love it. Yeah. So uh, they started really advancing the movement. Dead killed himself, right? Which, ironically, so. So he killed himself. Euronymous, his roommate, decided to go out and get a camera instead of calling the police, went out and got a camera, came back, filmed it, put it on their next album cover of his buddy that had killed himself, and then started a movement that more people joined. And the next guy had a band named Burzum. His name uh, was Varg. He said... Are you just making up words? I, I, I Sounds like it. I, re- I swear, I'm <laughs> going to close the story. I'm going to close the story. What ended up happening was they were trying to be so extreme that they said, uh, we are anti-church. Because they've taken away our Norse gods and they started setting fire to churches all across Scandinavia and all their followers started burning churches everywhere in the 90s. Wow. And it was all over Norway and it was such a huge deal. They ended up murdering somebody and it was this whole outbreak of like it turned into real life stuff. This is no longer, this is not playing around. Yeah. This is, they're in prison, they're dead. I mean, this is a terrible thing. Yeah. So this church-burning concept was a huge part of that movement. But this is 20 years ago, you're saying, yes. right? So now this young kid was getting into—because those bands are still—the music's still around. Okay. So he was getting into that, and that's the link, was he was into the black metal death scene, allegedly. And this idea of burning churches and anger and anti—his took the form of hating uh, African-Americans— But the idea of burning the churches and all that stuff was tied into that same story. So there you go. How bizarre is that? And now we've got a
0: guy showing up in Louisiana burning down black churches. Burning down
1: black churches with a tie-in to that same scene
0: from the 90s
1: that started in the 80s.
0: That is... There you go. Okay. Now, I don't mean to make light of this because this is a very serious issue. However, I'm reading this story on CBSnews.com as we're talking about this. That's probably a mistake. And the... (laughs) It's such a weird oh, story. Yeah, Just reading about it in yeah, general like, is the mistake. Yes. That's okay. the mistake. Got yes, it, sorry. got it. Okay, so Louisiana Fire Marshal Butch Browning says this. The evidence we have was unequivocal. He has clearly demonstrated the characteristics of a pathological fire setter. Um... <laughs> Yeah. He <laughs> yes. burned down three churches. He burned three ch- I would. I, yes. I don't mean to insult Chief Browning and, and the work he is doing. Uh, but yes, that is I very think clear. That is very, very clear. And that, I don't, I, I I don't you know. There are a lot obviously. of different angles on that, that, though. I mean, I think the first place you go when you see angry white person burning, burning down black churches yes. is just straight up racism. Right. Which it sounds like maybe I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I, I think I, that's I the heart of it. I, yeah. I mean, But it sounds like from what you're saying with this Norwegian tie-in, that it was just this bizarre sort of of we-need-to-get-rid-of-churches thing. It is very strange that this is movement very from a long time ago now is sh- cropping up. Here.
1: Yeah. And, and once again, it's hate connecting with hate and then it's educating evil, right? Yep. It's the idea that I learned someone else did this. I'm going to do it. And it's this whole idea of who are your role models, yeah. who are you looking up to? And so once again, you put on a lens and you go, yeah. Now I was, once again, I was around the heavy metal scene. I was yeah. around all this. Yeah. Here's the great irony. Yeah. The band Venom that started all that uh-huh. saw me play our band play in San Francisco and said, we should do a heaven and hell tour, right? I kid you wow. not. So this whole thing ties in even to my old music band, right? Uh-huh. We were a Christian, blatantly Christian band. Yeah. But in all that stuff, most all the things that you see in heavy metal that look all satanic and everything, it's a gimmick. Yeah. It is. I mean, 90% of all of it is a gimmick.
0: A lot of these, I mean, they basically are playing a character. They're playing a character. Stage, right. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. But there's 10% that's not. Yeah. And these people that were involved in that movement and the hate and the horrible things, that was real for them. And this kid tied into that hate concept, yeah. and it's still having ramifications today. Crazy. So there you go, crazy, crazy, crazy. That was my
0: weird story for wow, you. Wow, that is a weird story. Thank you. I have like a, I have a much lighter story. Oh, to praise go the to, Lord! To go to next. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna lighten this up by okay. by going to a uh, uh, an area. An area that this is an this is a significant area of struggle for me. I don't know about you, but I I found this interesting. Here's the headline. Wake up, people. You're fooling yourself about sleep, study says. We're going to talk about sleep here for a second. About to get get wild. So this uh, study done by New York University's, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, Langon, maybe? Health School of Medicine. So School of Medicine at NYU uh, has done a lot of study on sleep recently, and they have debunked a lot of what they say are unhealthy assumptions we have about sleep. Now, you, would you say you sleep comes relatively easy for you, or not so much? Uh, very much, it does. So yes. you just like lay sleep down, you're out, easy. and you're yeah. good. Okay. See, I am. Here's another area where we're polar opposites. I <laughs> right. just have I have had a hard time with sleep since I was a very young child, and it's just it's not good. Yes, yeah, so so, I have a
1: weird history with sleep, but yeah. yes, I sleep yeah. and I can shut everything down.
0: Oh uh, man, if even
1: if there's bad. noise and
0: light. Yeah, I wish I was that. So a uh, couple of things they debunked, and we certainly don't need to talk about all of these. Is number one, uh, some uh, apparently lots of people think this that adults need five or fewer hours of sleep. Uh, that that is not true. That that can lead to all sorts of health problems, yes. not the least of which are uh, hypertension. Cancer and uh, general irritability. Uh, is that what you're yes, doing, Brian? <laughs> I am just generally <laughs> irritable because. Well, and this interesting. I was listening to a sermon recently on podcast where the guy was talking about rest and even just the idea of sleep as a spiritual discipline. Yes, and rest as a spiritual discipline. It is basically so you're not a jerk. <laughs> Amen. Is Amen. So, I yes. Anyway, uh, or or. Uh, the idea that your brain and your body can adapt to less sleep, that, oh, I just don't need that much sleep or whatever. No, that that's is incorrect. That's not true. Or even this, it's healthy to be able to fall asleep anywhere, anytime. They say that no. that's actually not true. That if you can do that, uh, <laughs> like fall asleep in a car or whatever, certainly yeah. while you're driving, uh, that that's that that's not good. Uh, snoring, although annoying, mostly harmless, that harmless, they say that's probably not true, that chances are if you're snoring, you got sleep apnea or something yep. bad going Some on. Some type of block. Uh, so that's... Uh, that's not good drinking alcohol before bed helps you fall asleep uh, they said that is true that if you have a glass of wine or whatever before mm-hmm. bed it'll make you sleepy but it inhibits your sleep quality so the mm. uh, quality of your sleep is less it keeps you away from REM sleep which is what you really need right so for those who say oh I like to have a glass of wine before bed or something to help go down, to down yeah it's it true you might not you might fall asleep faster but you're gonna wake up Quality. Feeling not as good. Uh, this was interesting to me that they say here's another myth that if you're not sleeping, uh, that you should just stay in bed with your eyes closed and keep trying. That they say that that's equivalent. <laughs> I thought this was funny. They likened it uh, to standing on a treadmill and not turning it on and trying to get exercise. <laughs> they said that if you can't sleep, get up. Uh, if oh, you can't sleep, get up. Go do something else. Go do some laundry. Go do something that d- that does not involve, say, watching a screen with lots of lights. Or Are they married? Else, but. Uh, the authors of the study. Yes. I don't know. Because do they realize
1: how much that will agitate my wife if I get up? <laughs> and do they know the wrath? that yeah. may well come upon me yeah. if i do get up mm-hmm. i think sometimes it's sheer fear that keeps <laughs> you laying there and trying again that if
0: i move i'm yes. going to wake my spouse because even as a child
1: right you're not allowed to get up yeah you know even as a little kid so yeah. i think we've been uh you better stay in been bed try again
0: oh yeah no i'm always very careful of that my my <laughs> wife is is she's more like you in that she can fall asleep immediately but right. again i've just you know borderline insomniac my whole life and Anytime I have to get up, I'm always like super quiet getting out of the room because I know, yeah, rightfully so, I'll hear That's about right. it the next day. Yes, don't wake uh, up. Here's the, the last one that I want to I wanna reference. This is uh, uh, another myth. Uh, hitting snooze is great. No need to get up right away that they say, no, that's actually a huge waste of time. It is bad for your body. You will have very light, low-quality sleep. It won't help. And they recommend doing something that I do, which is putting your alarm clock on the other side of the room so that you have to get up to turn it off. Oh, interesting. Actually, what I do is, here's what I do, is because I wake up earlier than my wife on uh, most days now, is I set my watch, which will vibrate so it's quiet, and then I set my phone on the other side of the room for three minutes later, so it is incentive to make it's sure brilliant. I get up before that goes off because I'll really hear about it if that goes off at you know whatever hour I'm waking up. Okay, so, so
1: that ties into an invention idea we're not going to get into <laughs> that I had a long time ago with that very same delay. But the one thing that really concerns me is that you wear a watch to bed, really? Yeah, that. I why, think that's I, weird. why is that? that, that that's very. Strange. I mean, I don't,
0: I don't want you to worry about that. I do, but I do. Now. Why is that? Why is that weird? Because <laughs> you're supposed to go to bed, and if someone is te- <laughs> now, I'm going to text you at two a.m. I just know I that can, your watch is going to vibrate. I can turn off uh, turn off notifications do you? so that I don't. Uh, sometimes, okay. Not, sometimes I mean, late night texts is not a major issue for All me. All I'm pointing but
1: out but is if one is an insomniac and one is wearing a watch that has information traveling through it. I think that's probably not the wisest decision.
0: That's a fair point. But now, how am I going to wake up in the morning without waking up my wife? It's quite the conundrum. I don't know. It is a conundrum. But it is interesting. I think that in, 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 in our culture today... A lot of times, a lack of sleep is sort of glorified, like "oh, I only," yes. I, you know, oh, I only got three hours yep. of sleep last night," and all that. Sort of like in the same way we glorify busyness,
1: yes. And same I think thing.
0: It's it is it is helpful, and man, I, I'm, I need this message more than anyone because I often involuntarily don't sleep nearly enough and end up right. drinking a you know gallon of coffee in the morning. Is just the idea of recognizing that actually. Sleep is a big deal. And yes. it's also what's interesting is there has been a bit of a pushback now. I'm, I'm struggling to come up with names, but I know some significant, like household name type figures are coming out with, you know, talking about how, no, yeah, sleeping eight, nine hours a night is a big part of my, yes. you know, part of who I am and part of my success, or I take a nap in the afternoon or whatever. And I don't know. It's interesting. Our
1: bodies are built on a stress and rest concept. Yeah. And um, the more pressure you put on it and stress it, Uh, which is actually what you're supposed to do. That's what your body's built to do. Only if you rest can that be maintained. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I think to to get away from the sort of the guilt associated with rest and to know that rest is different than being lazy. Yes. That actually good rest is what equips you to more... Uh, to, to a have the the energy to sort of do yes. what God has called you to do in your wake, so, and B uh, to again not be a not be a jerk. We all know. Yep. Uh, we all know when we're short and when we're ornery and all of that, and it tends to be connected to it not getting. Really affects you know, me. Not getting enough. Oh yeah, me too. And it affects my decision making and my hope and my joy
1: level yeah. and my confidence. Yeah. If I do not have good nights of sleep. I feel like things are very, very difficult.
0: Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. Yep. So, all right. Well, I had one more story, but yes. we just hit the hour. So I think we'll just call it right there. We will save a discussion of the early results on the LeBron James Elementary School. That's not called the LeBron James <laughs> Elementary School, but the elementary school that LeBron James is helping to fund in Akron, Ohio, that's doing some very cool things in education. But talk about that another time. Awesome. So, all right. Well, we have successfully blazed through a whole bunch of news stories. That was a different kind of episode than we have done in the past, but uh, I don't I thought it was fun. Yeah, it was certainly (laughs) fun. It was exhausting. It was. It felt like we were trying to cover a lot of ground. So anyway, thanks, uh, you Lance, for your time. Thanks to those of you uh, who listen. Thanks to Brenton and Montana and Lucian and the rest of the crew that helps us look and sound as good as we possibly can. We appreciate you guys very much. Thanks again for those of you listening. Have an amazing Easter weekend. Hope to see you here if you are in the Roseville area. We'll see you again in a couple weeks for another episode of Engaging Culture. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a
1: podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening.
0: Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.